Tree Talks podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of the lands on which this podcast is being produced, the Wurundjeri and Bunurong people of the Kulin Nations. We pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to another episode of Tree Talks podcast with your host Mona Brukoff. Who do I have with me today? Hello, it's Lua. I will be actually your host. Sorry to um, demote you, Mona. Oh, what? Really? Yeah, it's, um, turns out uh, you are going to be answering the questions. Um, basically, a lot of your listeners have asked um, for you to share a little bit more about your background, um, where you grew up and what brought you to, um, I guess, produce this podcast so um why don't we start with that tell us a bit about where you grew up okay um i grew up in a little town in south wales in the uk uh it's a town called blina gwent so anybody listen from there holla holla <laughs> um or all right buddy all right buddy yeah what does that mean it's just like, hi, hey, mate. Hey, mates. <laughs> so I'm really curious about your journey of getting to this point and being one of our biggest advocates for the environment and sustainability. Um, I also remember uh, you went to uni in Wales and you went into um, zoology with conservation. What, um, what brought you to that point? Uh, yeah, so basically at school, I never, I was not very academic. School was very much a socializing um, time for me. Not, wasn't bothered about grades, had no idea. I don't think I even give consideration to what I wanted to be when I was older. It was always just about in the moment, hanging out with friends. So when I finished school, I realized I need to make a decision of what to do. Mm, turns out we have to earn money, right? Yeah, or just be someone or something in this society that we live in. Mm, who am I? <laughs> That's <laughs> another podcast, I think. <laughs> um, so I really didn't know what to do. And actually, my before uni, my mom said there was a college that um, was had like a farm and animals on there. And I said, well, I like animals. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll do that. So actually, I went to college first and I studied animal management. And then um, after finishing college, I um, was accepted into uni. I think I just went on there but because that was, again, what... Um, the next step. The next step, yeah, I guess. Um, um, and... <laughs> Again, my mom suggested there was a really good course at university, Bangor University, Zoology with Conservation. Thanks, mom. Yeah, thanks, mom. Um, about the three years of uni, um, realizing that conservation is probably the key word for me. That uh, actually, spoiler alert for those listening and don't know, after uni, I traveled to Australia and met my wife. Who, surprise, surprise, is Lua. <laughs> Why are we saying that? Because <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things are going to be connected. So the reason why I'm here is because of you. And cut. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Anyways, um, I thought I was hosting. Oh, sorry. So, Mona, after graduating from university, what um, what did you do from there? I know it. Um, a little bit of what you've shared in the past is is sort of having a few years there of not not being able to get into the field that you wanted to, like in conservation. And what was that like for you? Yeah, I guess after uni then, it, you're just like left with this void again of, well, I was anyway, I don't, I don't know about anybody else. Um, you know, you studied for so long and then that's it. Where, where do you want to go with it? And I'm, a lot of the conservation jobs are volunteering and... Yep, I needed to work and earn money to pay rent and live life. So I moved from Bangor University. I went to Manchester and experienced uh, city living and worked at a restaurant. Um, And was just, yeah, I, I don't think I ever focused anything on what my passion was or what my interests were. I loved cycling around the city, going to art galleries and museums and hanging out with friends and exploring different parts of the city and um that was it for a while and I and then that was the reason to come to Australia was just to break out of that. So Australia was the first time where you worked in conservation, is that right? So moving to Australia then um it was also a struggle of what to do. We initially wanted to move to the Sunshine Coast and I knew that they had sea turtle volunteering there and I said perfect this is my way in Um, but the visa actually was a lot of money so we ended up living in Toowoomba which for those that don't know is two hours west from Brisbane. Toowoomba is the traditional lands of the Jagera, Giabal and Jarawe people of the Darling Downs region. So when we moved to the Sunshine Coast, it was through volunteering that I was able to learn and grow within myself of what I like. So things that I did were volunteering with Mary King Cross Reserve in uh, Mullaney up in the hinterland, which is a reserve that uh, Mary and her sister, or two sisters, when the early settlers came to the area, um, you would be paid money to chop the trees down and have cattle on your land. They just left it. They, They didn't want to remove the trees. So this is like, and it won't be the original landscape because they would still be, changes but um it's now a reserve and there's you know thousands of people come to visit this rainforest of what originally would be in that area while you were living in Mullaney on the sunshine coast and on y- phil oh sorry cut so <laughs> do you not know where we lived <laughs> hang on so while you were living in monville on the sunshine coast and you were volunteering at mary Kane cross in Mullaney, um you also did a little bit of work with Barang Native Nursery. Yeah, that's right. I was a volunteer for the nursery there, um, looking after seedlings and the 
Mm, and specializing in native and indigenous plants. So volunteering for a native nursery and growing these seedlings, some of them trees. Mm. Is this where you found your love for trees? Sadly not. <gasps> Still, I have not developed into a seedling yet. Well, tell us, tell us that journey. I'm probably still in the ground, um, in the dark of what what I am doing in life. I worked at Montville Montville Coffee, roast, roast so roasting coffee beans, and I'd be like delivering them, packaging them. Was given the opportunity to grow, like using the coffee grounds. This was a, a project that was just given to me. It was using the coffee grounds. So the coffee beans that we give to the coffee um, coffee shops, getting the, the used grounds, like the, the waste. That's correct. <laughs> um, and then growing mushrooms. And then, so I did like a load of research on mushrooms that would grow with from coffee waste and how then you could advertise it back to the like to restaurants or coffee shops that are maybe serving breakfast and things and being like well this is mushrooms grown from your coffee um so there I'm like starting to develop something out of the ground right I'm like wow this is something that's so cool you're we're reusing a product like it was already um very much spoke to your values of sustainability yeah they, yeah exactly and Meanwhile, there was an opportunity for me to volunteer on Gary Island, so Fraser Island. The parts that you loved and that maybe helped you shape more of an idea of what your future would look like. I love working in nature. Um, the whole point of being in a national park is to look after it. And um, there was really... I loved working with Butchler Rangers, so Butchler are the traditional owners of the island. Um, I loved working with rangers with scientific backgrounds who also shared similar interests. and So just engaging my mind in those things that I hadn't done for, um, what, two years since I left uni. But it was just uh, volunteering, and it's not something I could have done all the time. I had to work, so... Um, I just really enjoyed it as as that opportunity. Oh, and so when I came back, actually that ranger who said I could do volunteering said there was a job coming up and I should uh, should go for it, like apply for it. And I did, and I got it. And it was actually very tricky to be like, do I do that? Because it's, or do I do the mushroom? <laughs> The mushroom project. The mushroom project. And yeah, it actually so that was a hard decision for you. Yeah. It's Imagine what your life would be like if you stuck with the mushroom project. I mean, who knows? This could be mushroom talk. Oh my gosh. Mushroom talks. <laughs> but um, I think that moment in my life was knowing that there's things that I'm passionate about and could, you know, exactly like you said, I could go wherever. But it's just being passionate about something. And then knowing that whatever I want to do is, is because I'm passionate about it. But I guess the ranger thing, because I studied conservation, I was like, well, this is my dream job, obviously. So So I'll how long did you work as a ranger for on Gary Island? 
Um, I think maybe about two years on the island. After working on Gary Island as a ranger, what did you do from there? Yeah, so the work there was casual and there was I didn't know whether I could work there or not when my contracts kept ending. And I, I said, should I be applying for other roles elsewhere? And they said, that's always a good idea because we can never guarantee that you'll have a job. And I found a job in Bush Regen and uh, I got that role and my contract was coming up uh, as a ranger and I, I still didn't know if I had continuous work or not. And uh, But um, I struggled with management of national parks where the focus was on tourism and understanding that tourism is the way that you get money, but it's also the thing that destroys the native area that you're you're maintaining so just seeing a lot of things I I probably wasn't at the right space to be able to manage that and to to deal with that like how to process that as a person I just got very frustrated that there was not enough to be done like not we're just how we live our life it's just very we're not connected to the world around us and we we just live the way that we want to without any consideration of anything else on this that's on the planet with us um yeah i guess like having just to work with nature and not deal with people so much mm-hmm. um also with the contract so there's multiple things going on there so it was to move to to bush regen and the first people who got me engaged in plants like lunch or smoko, smoko's uh Aussie what's Aussie slang for lunch. But it's just before lunch, it's a oh, little lunch. Little lunch, right. <laughs> <laughs> um and would gather like loads of leaves and put them on the ground and just tell everybody like do like a quiz of like what ID this plant with this leaf. I say, Liz, I didn't grow up here, I don't know any leaves, I don't know any tree. You know, we'd just go out and we'd they show me the weeds and I weed and that's all I knew on that. But sh- the way that she encouraged me to to just give it a go, give it a go and see what you know. And every now, like between twenty leaves, I'd probably get two, one, two, three leaves, and I'm like, oh wow, I do know some. And she'd be like so encouraging. She'd be like, yeah, I told you, you know some. And it was just that when some again, like when somebody is passionate with the, the the industry or the the lifestyle, whatever that you're into, and you share that world with other people in a soft, engaging, encouraging, yeah, kind of way, then you can you can people can enter your world, whether they like it or not. It, yeah, you don't have to, but it's a way where you're both in a space together enjoying it and I really loved that I loved having a teacher there to again and again like now this is me growing from from the ground I've probably got about two leaves on my two two or three more leaves on my this um, back to the tree analogy, analogy of yeah. being a seedling doesn't know what what's what you're turning into now you're sprouting into a tiny baby tree that's right yeah 
in uh, terms of your career. Yeah. Um, but didn't satisfy my needs. Um, again, it was casual work. What did you do from there? So how did you get to trees? So I'm Googling and I'm trying to figure out, okay, I like outdoors and um, I like nature. What what can I do? And I, I, I don't remember the exact process, but there was a website or something that I saw about arboriculture. And I said, what? What is this? And then it was to do with working with trees and climbing trees. I was like, well, what? That is like ideal. Now, let me just rewind back to my last few years in Wales. I I used to work with Peter and Peter was a jack of all trades or a Peter of all trades. And he's an arborist, but I never, never understood or never, it never clicked that the arborist was something that I could do. And when I was back in Australia reading about arboriculture, I said, oh, this is exactly what Pete did. Pete used to climb trees and I used to just be on the ground with him, but never saw it as a job that somebody could do. I just thought it was just Pete doing his many amazing skills that he could do. And so I said, yeah, I think this is what I want to, the route I want to go down. For me, the industry, so learning the small stuff and pruning and and then moving on to the bigger things, I just really got into the industry. Mona, what does an arborist do? Um, Because a lot of people think it's tree lopping. For me, it's an industry that was created to understand how trees what trees are and why, what they do. And so moving into your career in arboriculture, it sounds like this is where you integrate your conservation background and passion in terms of working in conservation arboriculture, which is very much about conserving the trees around us and maintaining them. Um, yeah, I think even just learning within the industry that it's about plant, like trees. So a few years I I start I joined a community volunteer group um planting native vegetation in parks around the local area where I live. I used to just get so disheartened by how many trees I would remove for development within the industry. Um or how many trees we kind of have to manip- manipulate to work around our footpath or our roads or so the the volunteer group was just my way of giving back, removing all these trees, and but then planting these trees that were going to be in a park where they could just be. And within the industry, I just felt like there was some more things that I needed to learn. Going back to your question of what is arboriculture, it, I think I was limited on my thoughts processes up in Queensland of just what it was, what I could do within the industry. It was... Mm, I remember you saying you were a bit stuck. And this is where you found the Cert 8 to study. Is that right? That is correct. So 
initially it was to do a Cert 5. So Cert 3 is what I qualified as. Cert 3 in Australia is somebody that's qualified for pruning, removing a tree, climbing, whether that's climbing or groundwork or EWP, which is um, tower work, cherry pickers. And then the Cert 5 was what I saw the next level, and that is a consultant arborist, an arborist that looks at the health of trees so that was where I was going to go next. What made you want to work as a consultant arborist when one of the reasons that you left the island was to avoid working with people? Because that's one of the consultant arborists' roles, right? To consult. Well, I also chose this industry because I said, said, this is great, working with trees, I don't have to deal with people. But turns out, and this is goes back to what I said earlier, if we didn't have an edited out... You're always going to have to work with people, no matter what you do or all the things that I found that I like. There's you, ha- there has to you have to work with people. That's the whole reason of the industry as well is because there's trees near people. So by being able to have conversations with people of trees, maybe you could influence people's decision making around trees. Is that the thought? Yeah, that's right. I said the one of the key things I f- felt was education. And that was, even if it was education for arborists, even if that's um, helping arborists to learn about what our industry does, because so much things, so many different things have changed within the industry itself. Whenever there was cavities, they used to maybe fill it with cement. So if there was a hole in the tree, they would fill it with cement or foam, thinking that that would protect it. And now we learned that that's not how we do, or a different way of pruning, how that affects the tree. I I want the industry, people within the industry to know that we are constantly learning. We're not perfect. Trees actually have lived a lot longer than humans have and don't need humans to influence them. But here we are with humans on this planet influencing whatever it is around us. So it's us that needs educating. And so also having conversations with people within the community... I think that was a lot of people's things. It was the trees messy, the tree leaves go in the gutter. It doesn't matter if you get rid of this tree, there'll always be tree leaves in your gutter because unless you live in a treeless society, leaves blow in the wind. When people talk about messy trees, I say if you ever walk where there's people, the amount of rubbish that you see on the ground because of humans... I'm pretty sure their trees would have something to say about the messy humans that they have to share this world with. And when people say trees are too big for the area, and it's kind of like nature to be itself, and we are separating ourselves from it. You So you were looking into a Cert 5 in culture as a consultant arborist, and then you said you didn't go for that in the end. So what did you do instead? When I told her that I wanted to do the Cert 5, she told me, you've done a Bachelor of Science, you should go straight for Cert 8. And I'd never even heard of Cert 8 before. Um, And was a bit like, what? Um, No, I've only been in the industry for like, what was it, six years? I'm not ready to go into Cert 8. I need to, you know, still build on what I'm learning now. Um, so Cert 8, um, what's the title? It's a grad diploma in arboriculture. 
and that it's basically about urban forest management. And when I started to learn about what that was, it helped me build a wider picture of what this industry can do. Um, what then led you to creating this podcast? Because you are now a few months into your studies of the CERT 8. Um, and also you are no longer working out on the field as an art. You are now working as a statutory planner. Just tell us a little bit about what attracted you to that role um, and what you are hoping to learn from Victoria here. Yeah, I think um, the university and then this new role, I had no idea what this new role was as a statutory planner arborist. Um, But what I wanted was just a really broad picture and I, I my basic view knowledge was that you're learning about policies and procedures that council do and I always used to I, on the field I would say you know council and government don't do enough for trees and now I'm working as in a council role say and I read some arborist reports and I say wow arborists do not advocate enough for trees I'm in now in an office role but what I do enjoy is seeing that other aspect, that the policies and procedures, there's new, there are going to be new changes, that there's a urban forest strategy that most councils are implementing in Victoria, and that's to encourage as much tree canopy as possible. Um, yeah, and it's basically seeing both ends of the spectrum of people on the ground doing the work and then people who are implementing policies and making sure people are doing what they should be doing. and um, All with sustainability and conservation in mind. Um, is that right? Well, it's a fine line between development. It's not that council doesn't want any development. It has to be some development if the population's growing. But yeah, like how do we... How do we ensure that it's a green space? Because if we're realizing as well that there's climate change and there's we need the trees, it's... So this is the space that you've moved into by moving to Melbourne. Um, yeah. And this is where your studies are also um, linking into. So the CERT 8, is that Yeah, right? so the urban forest ma- management, it's... I realize that this is the heart of it. The reason why you do the industry. Because... It's in the urban areas where you're finding less trees, where you need it the most. For me, the podcast was something I I felt was essential. And whether people listen to it or not, I don't know. But it was, I'm doing it for me, for my sanity. To, to be able to share what makes sense to me and also help me process it. What was it that you wanted to process? The connection of of me. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, the connection of me, but also of arborists. So my background's conservation, and conservation's a part of it. How do we conserve the trees? And you know, Bushri Jen talks about the, the the natural world that we're in. So what? How are we influencing that as well? I love animals as well. Is what I started with. So how do we as arborists learn from ecologists that we work with sometimes? You know, that we're removing that possum's home or those birds' homes and you know, how can we learn from ecologists of the impact of that? 
to then learn to see if we can maybe do things a little bit differently. Helping Arborists understand the world that we're working in and how we're connected to it and then to open it up to community to to learn what it is an arborist does maybe I didn't explain it properly in my little speech but I'll definitely find speakers that will help explain it better I think that was uh, maybe one of the little themes trickling through our conversation today about who am I what am I what is this who is this and maybe it just is just let it be I've got the energy for it I'm excited about it I love talking to different people and maybe not so much the editing I'm definitely not the editing for this one (laughs) so my question is what would you like to listen to (laughs) well to answer your question Um, One thing I've really loved about this podcast, it sounds like it's a way for you to reflect on all the different sections um, across uh, the industry that, that interrelate and influence each other and to give space for um, communication or just to have talks and sharing knowledge um, and basically... I I see how this podcast would speak to that person on that field to say the work you're doing is not in isolation. There is so many other people tackling this bigger work of um, maintaining and protecting our natural landscapes. And um, we're all working together. We're all doing the same thing, but from different angles. But how do we, how do we know that? How do we know we're not on our own? So I think I'm really excited about this podcast being available for people to listen and to hear about that. Um, and thank you so much for sharing your story and your journey with us and the listeners. Thank you for letting me jump on Tree Talks today to uh, find out more about you um, for our listeners. So thank you for listening to Tree Talks podcast today where I was your host, Lua, and we interviewed your original host, Mona, um, the creator of the podcast. If you would like to also be a part of the podcast, you've got something Tree Talks to say, please send us an email. I'd love suggestions on what people would love to hear. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more episodes coming soon. Hey, Lua. Hi, Mona. Um, Can you help me explain... Why we acknowledge country in Australia? Pressure. <laughs> That's too much pressure. Let's ask Google. No, we know. Why do we know? Because acknowledging country is about understanding that the First Nations people have been on this land for over 60,000 years and have cared and looked after the land and within what 250 years of settlement um colonization colonization yeah it's uh i am um, 
it's a way of showing respect and acknowledging the lands that we're on, wha- what's happened on these lands and how... Um, I think for reconciliation, right? Like you want to be able to make sure that we move forward as a whole, as humanity. And we can't just keep living the way that we used to and benefiting on things that actually people have worked really hard and had a whole culture and lifestyle uh, that's being completely taken away from them. So it's reconciliation, respect. And I just wanted to say a little bit of that just for anybody listening overseas or anybody in Australia that don't know.